0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Um, we it's, it's been a busy day, Barton. You have been, uh, with your 24-7 sports colleagues, putting the final touches on the updates. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. This is the 2021 recruiting rankings?
1: Yeah, yeah, 2021 update. It wasn't quite the, the overhaul of 2020, it was more of kind of some tweaks prior to the junior years. Because, you know, I mean, junior season is, like, let's not get too hung up on what they've done to this point, Uh, sophomore years in camp. Like, really, junior year is where we really start to see who's who. So it wasn't an overhaul, but it was sort of a a status update. Um, And that's fine with me. I I don't – there after a week of just, like, being drugged through the mud by every person that had to commit drop, you know, two or three spots in our 2020 update. I'm I'm perfectly content just uh, letting 2021 sit and uh, and moving on to the football season.
0: Well, all right. So, the the reason why the pre-junior year rankings matter and and why we have started to look more and more about this is this is the continued trickle down from the early signing period and coaches have talked about it and we've addressed it here on the cover three podcast. The, the fact is, you know, <clears throat> these coaches, they're trying to make sure they start establishing these relationships. They start identifying the players that they're going to be inviting to camps in, you know, less than a year. Like this, this is a pivotal, uh, this is a pivot point in the development of a high school football prospect.
1: It is. And what's, what's I think is interesting about the process right now and something that that we as 24/7 sports evaluators need to take advantage of is college coaches really don't have the benefit of 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 putting much weight into senior seasons. They've, to a certain degree, even junior seasons are minimized a little bit, or, or at least the, you know the importance is is lessened a little bit because they've got to have their 2021 board starting to get ironed out right now. And so I think it's important for us as evaluators to sort of take advantage of our cheat sheet that we get uh, going into senior seasons and really pay close attention to them and pay close attention to the senior class. And that's why we're not really going to do a, a deep dive on 2021 right now, because we've got a lot of time to sort through that. And so, Um, that's, that, that's the, that's the danger right now of recruiting is if you're not really on top of your evaluating early, you could get caught with some, some prospects that maybe aren't as good as you thought they were.
0: Now your, your job as the national director of scouting never ends, but is this the last big benchmark before you can just, just square the 2019 football season in your sights and just sort of, you know, put the blinders on and get ready to, you know, hold your (laughs) nose and dive in?
1: No, unfortunately not. And I hate I hate that I'm cringing saying this. I lo- I would love to be excited about this, but I'm I I really just want to get into the football season. But there's one more ranking we gotta we gotta release, and that's our 2022, our first initial 2022 list. So there's a little bit more of a of a grind. I gotta I gotta sort through until I get all the way out on the other side, and I can totally engulf myself into college football but I'm ready I'm ready I'm i am ready to put recruiting behind me for a couple months
0: listen man it's the honesty that's why we have subscribers and that's yes. why we have loyal listeners it's like this yes. is that's that's, that's that's just the way it is man it's the life we live
1: that's right man you know and and uh I, I love that's the beauty of, of my gig right now is i can kind of pivot to football and then once football's over I can pivot to recruiting and you know it's, but at, by the end of hey by that uh by that uh, college football playoff stretch, you and me are kind of ready for for you know the end of the season too on, <laughs> on the other side of it. So, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, full disclosure, uh, it it gets to be a grind uh, at the end of both processes. Uh,
0: well, we did the Big Ten West uh, earlier this week, so make sure you go and check that out. Um, are you you about ready to uh, to count them up and and put a bow on the Big Ten?
1: Yeah, man, I'm I'm hyped for this. Just I think that's the, the under Count is a safe up. play like I can't even Count, up. Count up. How many games y'all gonna win this fall? I can't fathom who wins How many
0: games you gonna win this fall?
1: I just can't, I don't see it It's not, it's not on there It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at Unless there's another schedule somewhere
0: and as astute listeners have pointed out, that you were talking about the Louisville Cardinals last year with one of the easiest caches. I'm. I, I almost cringe to think that before, like the thing that led to that sort of exclamation from you was probably me telling you how much I liked Puma Pass.
1: <laughs> you did. You were kind of on Puma Pass last year, weren't you? I was guilty. Absolutely oh, guilty. I was. Hey, I, I respect I was feeling that it. optimism though. <laughs> that bright-eyed optimism. That's hey. Carry that into this year. We're going to 5-7 and seven this year, Louisville.
0: Um, okay. Big 10, Big 10 East, we're going to start our conversation with the Michigan Wolverines, who have the highest win total uh, in the Big 10, according to the Las Vegas Superbook. The Michigan Wolverines, in their non-con, they're going to be getting Middle, ten- Middle Tennessee. They play Army at home, and then they've got Notre Dame. Big game. Michigan's win total, 10 and a half. Barton, you going over or under?
1: Well, wh- where are you generally speaking on this Michigan team? I, I, here, here's before I get going on this, I'm just surprised. Like I've been, I've been as bullish Michigan as anybody. Like I've had them in my playoffs. I think two of the last four years I predicted them in the preseason playoffs, and a couple of those time and, and I feel like maybe last year it wasn't people. No, nah, I feel like I got some heat for that too. And certainly, like two or three years ago, the other time I did it was it was a very like off the off the wall kind of pick that almost ended up looking pretty good. And I'm just a little bit surprised that now this this year, after losing all those guys to the NFL draft, after uh, you know an offense that struggled, you know, gets a new offensive coordinator. All of a sudden, now like Michigan's the trendy pick. I- I'm, I am, I feel like I'm off rhythm here with the rest of the country on Michigan.
0: You are not wrong in that Michigan has become the trendy pick and a lot of it ha- is, a lot of it's an urban Meyer play, right? Like it's like, well, Michigan could never get past urban. I mean, shoot, we were talking about Michigan being just a few wins away from maybe even playing for the Big Ten Championship and, like, being in the college football playoff. Like, there have been the seasons where if a few breaks and if a few games go a different way, the Wolverines might be there or might be in the conversation, but the one data point that's always fallen short for them has been that game against Ohio State and the fact that Urban Meyer never lost to Michigan. Now that he's gone, it's almost like – Uh, okay, well, you know, the one thing that was blocking Michigan from being able to achieve greatness is gone. Now this is when Jim Harbaugh does it. And so where am I at? I am not at a place where I think Michigan is going to achieve the greatness that they want. I am not at a place where I think Michigan is going to be my pick to win the Big Ten. And I am yet at a place where as we are going through and we're doing our W's and our L's in our Phil Steele magazine, I kind of think they beat Ohio State. So, like, I think those two things can be true—that they can get over this this Ohio State frustration that has been lingering throughout the Urban Meyer era. But you know, when you've got Notre Dame on the schedule, you know, when you've got uh, those other places where you could trip up, I just don't see this being a Michigan team that's going to go twelve and zero. And it's not a Michigan team that I feel all that confident about, even going eleven and one. And so I'm I'm, I'm kind of sitting back in this place with the Wolverines, where I'm like, yes, I do think that there's going to be. Um, emotional steps forward in in the small point in terms of uh, maybe having that game against Ohio State at the end of the season, you get that win. Like, that. whatever happens to me probably doesn't even matter. If you beat Ohio State, you've won the national championship in the eyes of Michigan fans who've been hurt by this. But between the schedule and the personnel and the roster, I'm not ready to look at Michigan as a college football playoff contender. I'm going under the 10 and a half.
1: Yeah, t- I mean, just... I'm also on the under. I just think ten and a half and is just too much. Um, at Penn and, State? <sighs> you said what?
0: I said at Penn State, like oh, right yeah, before yeah. Notre Dame, at Wisconsin. Like there's, there are too many potential slip up points for me to feel confident in 11 and one.
1: Yeah. At Wisconsin, you know, I was, I was losable at Penn State, Notre Dame, uh, Michigan State is los- losable at home. Ohio State is losable. And then obviously, I mean, who knows what else is out there, but, I just think there there seems to be this impression that Josh Gaddis has a magic wand that he'll just he's just gonna wave over the offense and it's and voila, it's modern and it's now good. And it's like I I think Josh Gaddis was a really good hire. And I think he's gonna improve that offense. And I think their offensive line is really good. But he's still got and and I mean, Karan Higdon's gone at running back. Chris Evans is gone. Are we just under the assumption that Zach Charbonnet, the true freshman, is going to be a stud? I think he is a stud. I mean, don't get me wrong, but we can't. I don't think you just plug in a true freshman and just say, "All right, there's the run game." Um, or is Christian Turner going to be that guy? Is is the wide receiver group? It, do they fit the system? I mean, those are big, long, Nico Collins and Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Those guys are studs, but they're all big, long, like lumbering, galloping outside guys. And I think in Gaddis' offense, what he's going to really want is more guys like Mike Sanderstill, who's the true freshman that's really good. Um, defensively, the, the thing that I – the I actually think Aiden Hutchinson and and some of these sort of next guys up on defense are going to be really good, but I think on top of like the the thing that gives me the most confidence about defense is just you got Don Brown, who's this badass defensive coordinator who just put up gave up 69 points to Ohio State and they're just going to be salty all summer and they're going to be ready to to really f- focus in, but that strikes me as a really um, sort of vague cornerstone to to pin this defense onto, and so it's not that I don't think Michigan is going to be good. It's just that to me, last year was the team that was supposed to make the playoffs, not this year's team. And so I'm just not quite at 11 wins. I think 10 and two is more reasonable and a more reasonable expectation. I'm not necessarily with you, where I think they're they're. This is the year they beat Ohio State, um, and I don't know. I think this is going to be a a really interesting year, and I am, I'm just I'm just a little bit taken aback that they're sort of this this universal Big Ten champion pick.
0: So there's a, I think that there is a big picture to address with Michigan, where um, and I think you're right. I mean, what last year. They lose the opener to Notre Dame. Uh, They lose by one touchdown on the road in South Bend. Then they win every other game heading into that game against Ohio State at the end of the season. Where if they win instead of losing sixty-two to thirty-nine, they go to the Big Ten Championship game. They start to put together their argument for being in the College Football Playoff. I think that the recruiting class this past year probably has some of the. And you, you, you tell me here. I feel like the recruiting class has the answers and the players that are going to be the next really really good Michigan defense. Like Michigan's defense in 2017 and 2018 was just kind of like a the the same. Like Devin Bush was there for both of them. Rashawn Gary was there. Mo Hurst uh, in 17, and then he goes on and leaves to go to the NFL. That's like. All of that is uh, something that I think can be recreated, but I don't think it can be recreated in 2019 because some of those pieces and some of those players are, are probably a year or two of development away from being able to have that type of dominance.
1: Yeah, I mean, there. I think there's going to be some new household names this year. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about Aiden Hutchinson. I just think he's going to be one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Uh, he had one and a half tackles for loss last year, so there's no. I mean, there's no reason to just count on that. That's just a suspicion. Um, I mean, you can sort of say the same thing about a few guys in the in the secondary. You know, Ambry Thomas. Maybe this is his year to step forward. Dax Hill is a true freshman that can probably start at safety. So, I guess, given the way they've recruited, given the way Michigan can develop, I mean, this team certainly is capable of 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 covering that number, of making the playoffs, I just think when you're looking around and comparing them, I'm not, yeah, like this. Maybe maybe next year is the year for Michigan again. Maybe maybe this is the year where it's sort of, I mean, 2017 wasn't supposed to be the year. 2018 was. I don't necessarily think 2019's supposed to be the year. I think maybe 2020 should be. I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm just I'm not I'm not putting all my chips forward on this this Michigan team uh, they, I, I need to see it a little bit uh, early this season.
0: The Ohio state Buckeyes in year one with Ryan day. We've got Justin Fields and a win total in the Las Vegas super of 10. You know, there's nothing that's all that intimidating about the non-con Florida Atlantic Cincinnati, though, a very good team. I'm not going to pick the Bearcats to win that game. Miami, Ohio uh, rounding that non-con out. We've got uh, not a tear. There's the at Nebraska game, then at Northwestern on a Friday night. You draw Wisconsin from the other division at 10 for the over under uh, Barton. I'll go ahead and jump on this. I'm push to over here where I, I believe 10 and two might be it. But it, listen, I think it could be 11 and one as well. I'm not ready to jump all the way in on a 12 and zero. but listen, at 10, I, I believe that the all the sports card the sixteen year old has gotten the the new sports card jokes that we've told before. I, I just think that if you're going under, then you believe that this will be a disappointing season for Ryan Day and for anyone who tuned in on CBS Sports HQ. I'm going to guess and I'm going to put a wager down that you uh, are not feeling a nine and three season for the Buckeyes either.
1: No, no, I'm not. Nine nine and three would be that. That would be dark clouds in Columbus that would be that would be tr- that would be troubling uh in year one without urban Meyer considering how consistently double digit they've been and that's my thing is I, I just don't think that Ryan day has inherited a a tough situation in terms of where the roster is at they're really talented I said this on HQ like I, I think when you're looking at just sort of recruiting rankings, and we'll we'll see what the what the um, team talent composite says when we update that later in August. But I would I would guess Ohio State's probably number two in the country in terms of recruiting tr- talent on their roster. Uh, you've got Justin Fields. I don't think he is as as high as I am on Justin Fields. I don't think he is necessarily a um, risk free. But I I expect him to grow with Ryan Day in this offense and and really have some moments where he looks phenomenal. Um, there's leadership in this rock locker room. There's depth. There's talent. The culture is strong, uh, and I think there. You know I think he's Ryan Day has made good hires on the defensive side to where things will be simplified, and and then. Again, I, I've said this before too. Like I, my suspicion is that Ryan Day, when it comes to purely coaching a football game, is as good or better than Urban Meyer. Now, that's no slight to Urban Meyer, and that's and I don't know that, but that's the sort of a suspicion where if you want to fade Ryan Day and the Ryan Day era, I think that's a that's a fade over time. That's a hey, there's no way he is going to be able to sustain to the extent. And the level that Urban Meyer was able to sustain because Urban Meyer is one of the best that's ever did it. That I can understand. But I don't know that Urban Meyer's gone, Ryan Day's in, is a is a net negative for this specific season. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated with this team. I, I think they're really talented. I think they have college football playoff type of roster and... I think I'm on the over. I mean, I'm looking at like a, maybe an 11-1 type of year where maybe they get tripped off somewhere along the way that you don't expect. But I think this is a team we could see in the playoffs. This
0: Ohio State team, I mean, there's been nobody at Ohio State since 2011 that has played on a team that has lost more than two games total, including a bowl game. I mean, under 10 is not in We've – we've mentioned like – the the culture that they inherited the the sort of the program and the players like that as cliche as it sounds they're used to winning like they're they are used to winning almost every single dog game Urban Meyer was eighty three and nine and when they were tested and Urban Meyer was removed from the equation we saw a great response from the players last year and with with all those things coming together there is just no chance uh, I'm gonna be taking it. I'm with you right there. I, I will be on the over. Count them up. The Penn State Nittany Lions uh, have a over under win total of eight and a half. It feels like a, a year where, because of some of the uh, the high successes in recent memory for Penn State, uh, I believe that the window for just like true championship and they did get a Big Ten championship, but real championship contention. There was a window, it opened, they had 22 wins in two years, nine wins a year ago, and to to think that you're going to be able to jump back into that double-digit wins, uh, it is tough, particularly when you're playing in in a division with Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland get a little bit better and the like. So eight and a half might look stunning compared to the win totals of recent, but at the same time, Barton... Uh, to me, feels about right.
1: Yeah, I think it feels about right. I mean, I think this is an eight or nine one team. Uh, I'm I'm on the under at eight and four, but I mean, this could be this could very like so I, I I presented the argument that perhaps Penn State was one of the teams that we should keep an eye on as maybe showing some some cracks in the foundation because of their activity in the transfer portal, outgoing and incoming, but mainly outgoing. And that was sort of a working theory. And I, I do want to back off that a little bit on Penn State because I do think if you, if you really look at sort of who their, their transfer portal entrants have been, I mean, I think Tommy Stevens is not one that they would have liked to have lost. I think Juwan Johnson's not one they would have liked to have lost. But other than that, it's not t- totally unexpected given how many of those guys are upperclassmen getting ready to get beat out by underclassmen. And so in a way, as you're revamping a roster and recruiting at a higher level, you would kind of expect this. So that's my preamble to, the, to the, this point that perhaps – this Penn State team is being underestimated a little bit as we are just, we don't really know these names as well, but they're part of these really good recruiting classes. Like, I mean, I think a lot rides on Sean Clifford. With Tommy Stevens out, Sean Clifford at quarterback, they should have enough talent at wide receiver to to really be good. Whether it's Justin Shorter, Jahan Dotson, Pat Fryermuth, like there's a bunch of really good players KJ Hamler at receiver. Now, some of them haven't made plays. Like, you know, Justin Shorter was the number one receiver in the country coming out of high school, and he was banged up last year and never really got on the field significantly. So, hey, is if he's not a bust, like now's the time for him to show it. Um, offensive line, I think this is probably an improved offensive line based on just sort of the way they've recruited. Defensive line will be, I mean, I think their, their defensive ends is, are one of the best. Defensive end units out there. Uh, linebacker is going to be sick with Micah Parsons and and that crowd. So, I think, I mean, I'm on the under here again at eight and four, but but not confidently. And I could see a scenario where I don't think this is like the you know Penn State's playoff run, but I can definitely see a scenario where Penn State comes out and is like, oh, you, like y'all thought that that we were down, like, don't forget that these four- and five-star freshmen have been working out with Dwight Galt for the past two years, and, w- you know, <laughs> we're we're not just chilling in the offseason. So I think that scenario is is in play. Uh, I just have a little more confidence in a few other teams in the division.
0: How, how much weight do you put into uh, some, like, when you see disappointing trends within a season because – There were a few points last year where I thought that Penn State had kind of everything moving in a direction where they were right there with Ohio State, and then the very next week – they they find themselves kind of kind of getting punked a little bit by Michigan State. Michigan State kind of lulls them into the kind of game that Michigan State wants to play. They end up losing two straight. So it's you know maybe it's the beat them twice scenario, but it, it was definitely you were not able to pull it together and rally. Or you're going up and, and you're playing against Michigan. You know you're still a top fifteen team and you get beat forty two to seven. Like to me, those kinds of losses are a little bit stunning. I I too am on the under. Um, you did say under, right? Yep. Yeah, 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 I, too, am on the under, but I'm not looking at it like saying, oh, this might be a eight- or nine-win team. I'm on the under, like, this might be a six- or seven-win team based on my predictions and my projections. I mean, I see potential loss spots. Like, I, I do not put it past Penn State to lose to Pitt. I think going to play at Maryland might be tough, at Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, at Minnesota, at Ohio State. There's just – Too many spots there where, at eight and a half, you know it's the other side of the Ohio State where I'm like I cannot imagine nine and three for Ohio State. I cannot imagine nine and three for Penn State. I, I think eight and four probably is right, but I think seven and five and six and six are definitely in play. Yet, yet, and this is you know back to some of your own confidence in terms of knowing the the four and five star recruits and knowing the way that that. Uh, player development is within that program yet i think it would be an incredible statement for james franklin and that whole staff and program if going here in year six they were able to take a group that was overlooked and underrated and make a run in a big 10 title would be surprised uh, and would applaud james franklin and probably adjust my own rating of where he stands among the rest of his peers within that conference
1: so I'm not. Um, uh, here's why I don't think six, like a six win, and and even like a. I, I, here's why I think six or seven wins. It strikes me as really unlikely here, because still ultimately, this is the same coach and the same staff that had an eleven and three year in 2016, an eleven and two year in 2017, last year's nine and four season. You mentioned it. I mean, they were this close to being eleven and one during the regular season, uh, and I know that that's. I mean, that doesn't matter that much, but I mean, that's pr- you know, eleven and one and nine and three. Like, truly, was about two plays difference. Um, and so, I still think because this is not a this is a team that, like, yeah, they they're they're a couple years into playing with all their own recruits but they're they're now this will be year 4 or like sort of the third recruiting class after that 11 win season. So the 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 snowball has picked up a little bit on on the talent front. And so I just think they're going to be more talented than most of the teams they play and this is still a staff I think you can trust to at least sort of win the ones you're supposed to win. Um and so I'm I'm not I am I do I would be surprised if there was like a, a significant drop off eight and four strikes me as kind of the the most the, the the most likely scenario and yet I like seven and five strikes me as just like really hard to envision. Coming up on the other side, we'll take it to East
0: Lansing, check in on Sparty, Indiana, Mike Loxley at, at Maryland, Rutgers, and more. Next. Count them up! Visit roberthalf.com today. The Michigan State Spartans over-under win total for the fall set at 8. Uh, they get Brian Lewerke back. They get Connor Hayward back. But it was an offense that really, really struggled at times. Uh, they had some injury issues, particularly at wide receiver. The, the schedule sets up with some of the same challenges that really uh, contributed to that 7-6 and six record a year ago. Including Arizona State, though they will get that game at home. They're on the road at Ohio State. They're on the road at Wisconsin. They're on the road at Michigan. This is a this this is a tall order for Mark D'Antonio when some kind of bounce back would really really go a long way because. You know, the big picture for Mark D'Antonio has been good. There have been peaks. There have been, you know, Big Ten championships and Rose Bowl appearances. But in our recent memory, we've got seven and six and we've got a three and nine. So, um, you know, some of that some of that had to do with a lot of off-field stuff, both with uh, player discipline, injuries, transfers, and the like. So as as we're looking at this schedule and as you're trying to, to count them up, Barton, how are you feeling about eight for Michigan State?
1: I like the over here. I kind of, I kind of like it a lot. Uh, I've got them losing to Ohio State and Michigan, and winning the other ones. So I got them at ten and two. Um, I mean, you know, they returned nine starters on offense. They returned eight starters on defense. They returned Brian Lewerke at quarterback. Brian Lewerke was not great last year. Uh, part of that was they didn't have much of a run game. He was kind of banged up. They were kind of banged up. I mean, the whole the the, the team was sort of a mess injury wise. So, with a healthier team, with a really good defensive line, with a bunch of guys returning on defense, with all of their offensive line coming back, with a playmaker and receiver and Cody White, Brian Lewerke. I mean, do you remember last year? We were talking about Brian Lewerke is like the next Michigan State. NFL draft pick and it just didn't play out that way last year. But, uh, I mean, let's take last year's preseason, Brian Lewerke and put it on this year's preseason predictions and Michigan State's probably feeling pretty good. Uh, so like, I just don't want last year to tar completely like what, what we think Brian Lewerke can be. Um, I think this strikes me as much, a, a much more, Better depiction of a Mark D'Antonio team than than last year or certainly 2016.
0: I cannot wait for you to tell Tom fernelli that you've got Michigan State at 10 and 2.
1: What's Tom Fernelli got
0: on? Do him you at? remember yelling with him last year
1: in Fort yes. Lauderdale? Y'all got yeah, in they, an epic fight about Michigan State. So he won that debate though, didn't he? Yes, he did. So okay, but he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. But but it took a lot of injuries. And uh, and and kind of a disaster of a year for that. I mean, that was a that, that program was. They couldn't run the ball. They were they they didn't they couldn't stay healthy, and they still were playing everybody close. I I, I just think this is going to be. I think this is going to be like the better version of that team. So I'm I'm ready to I'm gonna. I'm gonna suit up yeah, in my yeah, coat of armor. Yeah, yeah, suit to up, suit Pinelli up once again.
0: suit up for a lock fight on Michigan State uh when it comes time to do our win totals locks. I've listen, I I do not have ten and two. I've written push, I've got got them at eight and four, and if you made me choose, I would go over. And the reason I would go over is just because they're really like they, as long as they can stay healthy, they're going to be really good on at, at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Like Kenny Willekes is an All-American player like an all-American defensive lineman. And, and if they are able to stay healthy and if Brian Lewerke, if Cody White can stay healthy and Brian Lewerke continues to just, you know, manage the heck out of the ball and out of the ball game, then, yeah, you can see them going through this schedule and and being able to maybe even, like, you know, challenge, uh, challenge an Ohio State on the road or challenge a Michigan on the road. But getting at Ohio State – at Wisconsin, at Michigan, as I do my math, that is loss, loss, loss. And so I'm, I'm sitting here looking at like immediately nine and three. And then knowing that, you know, the same team that at times just really becomes this, uh, like Michigan state loves to get you into a rock fight. But the problem with the rock fight is that the other teams just like one big play away from beating you. And, I don't see this Michigan State team, like many others, really, you know, blowing the doors off anyone. And so I've got three games that feel like losses according to the way that I've counted it up for the entire Big Ten. And then I, I think I've just got to add in another one that's just built into the math of, well, well, Michigan State right now, the way this team is built is not going to go eleven and one. And so if it's not going to go eleven and one, then I am pushed to under thinking that it's more like eight and four is probably right, but a seven and five wouldn't surprise me.
1: Here's here's why guys like Fernelli don't like Michigan State. Because he's an analytics guy and this is a team that you can't measure with analytics because they lose, you know, they win a lot of close games. So then you say, all right, well they're gonna lose a lot of close games next year. Or they win the turnover battle and so you say, well that's gonna even out next year. What what Tom doesn't understand is that this team will go in front of Tom's, you know, computer, uh, loaded computer office, and change a tire and change the oil in their in their pickup truck, and then take a tire iron to his computer because they don't follow analytics. This is just a gritty blue collar, uh, you know, grease monkey kind of team, and I, I think that uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna prove me right finally this year. <laughs>
0: Yes, I love it. Just, just, uh, uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? You take your numbers. You know what your numbers
1: don't have? They don't have grit. They don't Do have th- heart. Do you think that Mark Dantonio cares about analytics? No, he's he doesn't give a he doesn't give a rip about analytics. I can tell you that much.
0: Um. All right. Count them out. The Indiana Hoosiers have a over under win total of six and a half. This is uh, the third year for Tom Allen as a full-time head coach. They're coming off back-to-back five and seven seasons. So at six and a half, being able to uh, sur- to meet, surpass, any of that, that basically what we're saying is a bowl game should be in the cards for the Hoosiers. So as you're looking at a schedule that has Ball State, Eastern Illinois, and UConn, boy, UConn's got to look good on that schedule to an Indiana fan.
1: How you, uh, how you feeling yeah. about this one? Yeah, it's hard to find wins here for me. Um, I mean, they got all these quarterbacks, Peyton Ramsey, Michael Penix, Jack Tuttle, all these guys that I guess are starter quality guys. And the Stevie Scott kid, that running back, was sort of low-key, one of the better freshman running backs in the country last year. And they got all these big receivers, which it seems like Indiana always has. But I still don't, I mean, who are they better than? I mean, I've, I've got them winning the 3 nine non-conference. I've got them beating Rutgers. And then with the other sort of winnable games on the road at Maryland, at Nebraska, at Purdue, I mean, the home games are Michigan Northwestern. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. At Ohio state, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, it's hard to find wins. I've got them. What's, what's the number here? The number is
0: six and a half.
1: I mean, I got it under. Yeah.
0: I'm, I am, uh, you know, we, we put in the, the, we we try to put in the time and the research and the knowledge. And I don't think I've got a good feel on Indiana football. Do you?
1: <laughs> I mean, not really. I, they're they're they've, they've got a little ACC um, Atlantic to them. Was that was was that the anonymous division or was it coastal? It's So anonymous, I don't even remember which one was anonymous.
0: You've you've got the whole ACC on anonymous uh, on anonymous level, but they're, but 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 it, the the coastal is much more of a shrug in terms of anonymity.
1: Right. I mean, I just I want. Yeah, I, I just I can't, I don't even like it's like what is what is I, what is Indiana's identity? I mean, I know they play pretty good defense. Um, Tom Allen is a defensive guy, obviously. Uh, Kalen DeBoer's taken over as their offensive coordinator. Comes from Fresno State, and they've been they've been good there, certainly. But I just I have a hard time telling you, kind of how. What it, what a 7 and 5 Indiana team is going to look like.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm under. I'm uh 1 2 3 I think they could go 4 and 8.
1: That's where I've got them also. And I mean, look, I acknowledge that I'm probably sliding them an upset somewhere along the way. I mean, they'll they'll probably won't go 4 and 8. They'll probably go 5 and 7. They'll probably they'll beat be North, they'll beat Northwestern. I mean, they'll be favored in They'll probably be favored in four to five games. And so do they, you know, do they upset somewhere along the way, get to six and six? Sure, I could see that. I mean, they could certainly beat Maryland, they could beat Northwestern. Maybe I mean, maybe they even knock I me, mean, they've been close with a couple of these of, of the Blue Bloods in the conference too. Uh I just think if you're talking about a win is seven and five, that, that one's That one's a bridge too far for me.
0: Yep. I 100% agree with you there. How many games are going to win this fall? The Maryland Terrapins have an over-under win total of three and a half. And if we're looking at why uh, I find myself unloading all of these unders uh, throughout the Big Ten East and even a few on the Big Ten West, I I think that Maryland is one of those teams where I'm I'm just in a, a very different place than the odds makers on this one because as, as I try to put together my expectations for the Maryland Terrapins uh, this season like yeah the the non-con has a Syracuse game that I don't think that they will win but I do think that they're a team that is in a better position than Indiana I do think they are a team that's in a better posi- position than Rutgers and I do think they're a team that should be considered a threat when they go against the likes of a Minnesota or a Purdue so you know you know Barton, you know I'm all in on Josh Jackson. you know I like Josh Jackson <laughs> I look I think Mike Loxley can take this Maryland team to a bowl game. I think it can be six and six. I think it might be five and seven but I think three and a half is a number that is at least a full game too low to make me even consider going under.
1: Yeah I mean I've got them right at like four and eight so I guess technically I'm over. You know what? I was but you are a less th-
0: emphatic over.
1: I'm a less emphatic over. I mean, they they're really they have a really good backfield. Like their running backs are really good. I think the sort of the uh, devil's advocate to the over is a really thin offensive line. I, I think I read they have like eight scholarship offensive linemen, um, which isn't good. And so, uh, I think, I mean, and and defensively, they got to find a pass rush. They've, and this is still a tough division, like we just talked about with Indiana. Um, So, I'm not, I'm not there um, in terms of being uh, emphatic with the over. I lean over just because I don't know. I kind of have a hunch. Like this team was a, like this team ultimately still, you know, almost beat Ohio State last year. I um, mean, this is they beat Texas. This, they beat Texas. <laughs> like this is this team's capable of some things, especially if Mike Loxley kind of ignites the fan base and gets a lot of energy and positive momentum around the program and all that stuff. But I was thinking about this, and as you said, the the numbers three and a half. Like, can you believe that Jalen Hurts almost went to Maryland? Yeah, like he's he is a, he is playing for a national championship at Oklahoma, and he almost went to Maryland, where the number is three <laughs> yeah. and a half. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing.
0: Do you how how much do you think that it was a consideration for Jalen Hurts to go to Maryland, or was it entertaining that for the purposes of loyalty to Mike Loxley?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I'd just be guessing there. I think in the moments I seem to think that there was real interest, yeah, um, from
0: Maryland to try and catch <laughs> right. Jalen Hurts. Right.
1: Yeah, this there that uh, was a whole lot so of interest no from no. Maryland. Yeah, may, maybe there was never a doubt. Um, but it is interesting to me that like he was sort of penciled in as this Maryland starter, uh, and and here they are, at three and a half wins. But hey, if they can keep an offensive line healthy. It, it, this strikes me as a team that could really surprise some people, and, and maybe your your uh, more emphatic version of the over is is the right way to go.
0: They beat Texas, which beat Oklahoma, which made the college football playoff. Maryland's college football playoff contender. Boom, done. There you go. How many games are gonna win this fall? And finally, wrapping up the Big Ten East with the Ruggers' Scarlet Knights. Um, this is a program under Chris Ash that has uh, like the peak that we've seen from Rutgers recently has been 4 and 8 1 and 11 a year ago uh just really really struggling so the win total here is at 3 it's at 3 and I don't I'm I I'm on I'm on the under right like like they they host Liberty and I think I'm going to take Liberty
1: yeah yeah buckshot calvert he's is he still buckshot there calvert. he's still there the I mean it's a Buckshot Calvert versus Artis sikowski duel. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Buckshot. The, when I when I sort of stumbled onto the Rutgers depth chart and I saw Artis sikowski still sitting atop it, under that, <laughs> that that to me wasn't a good sign for Rutgers. Um, I mean I don't know how the kid the transfer from Texas Tech doesn't end up winning this job. Uh, McLean Carter, I just I mean. I don't like you. You've got to you've got to sort of bake in a dramatic improvement for him to be a quality starter. And this is a this is a winner get fired year, and it wasn't pretty last year for the true freshman. Um, and I just I don't want to be dismissive of Rutgers, and I don't I, I want to sort of give them a fair shake here, but. I'm just telling you man, I see a lot of Ls on this schedule. I mean, they're not being Boston College? No. You know, they I think Liberty is legitimately a uh has a shot to win that game. Um you know, I'll give them UMass. It's just like the only game I'm like so who are they going to beat? I guess they could beat you know, they could beat a Maryland or an Illinois. But who do you have more confidence in? I, I, what have they shown us to make us think that they're close? Yeah, they played Michigan State close last year. They played Northwestern close last year. But I mean, that happens when you're really bad. Teams are going to overlook you, and they're going to play play you close. Uh, they didn't win. I, I just, I, I, like I said, I want to, I want to be have a reason for optimism here. I just, I don't see it. Plus, think, they lost their best offensive lineman to Ohio State. How how demoralizing is that?
0: I think that UMass might beat them. I mean that's the Walt Bell debut baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Hey, <laughs> we love Walt Bell. Yeah. If if they if UMass pulls that one off then uh man, then uh it might be an offer. It might it might be an offer Chris Ash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry buddy.
0: What what was like at, at at what point during either on the recruiting trail or even in just kind of looking at you know the landscape of college football you know, where for Chris Ash was there or is there like signs or glimmers of hope to say that this thing is going to, you know, be in a place where you find yourself competitive, if not even, you know, to win division titles, but at least to occupy a space where you're getting the wins to contend for bowl games rather than uh, just just feeling like it's going to take everything falling in, in the exact perfect perfect place for you to have a postseason appearance?
1: Yeah, when you think about it, I mean, two years before Chris Ash came, they were eight and five. Then they had a dip, four and eight, and then he takes over and they beat Howard in New Mexico. Uh, in 2017, they beat Morgan State and lost to Eastern Michigan, and they beat a bottomed-out Illinois and Purdue and Maryland. So that was sort of when that 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 division was was having some bottoming outs, uh, undergoing some coaching changes themselves, and then obviously last year the one win against Texas State, a loss to Buffalo, um, you know. Everybody th- else
0: th- in the conference is getting better,
1: right? And it's hard to recruit when you're the one team that has nothing to sell, and so we can't like that's that's the other thing that hadn't happened with Rutgers is we've not seen some. Oh, but at least they're bringing in, you know, good recruiting classes by Rucker standards. That's not really happening either. It's just, what is the spin here to make us think that this that there's there's a, an arrow pointing up anywhere? Mm. Yeah, I'm <sighs>
0: sorry, Ruggers. I sorry. know I know that your New York college, your New York's college football program, and the full city that never sleeps rides for you so hard. <laughs> but you're not, you're not, uh, you're not getting an over here. I'm gonna go an under, and I'm gonna put the Scarlet Knights on over watch list the second that Walt Bell kicks those doors down on Friday, August thirtieth.
1: Your quarterback had four touchdowns and eighteen interceptions. That's that's not. That's not going to get you past one win on my on my book. So
0: <laughs> you know I love identifying under teams. You couldn't put Rutgers on an under list last year because Ardor Sitkowski would throw pick sixes and interceptions and in scoring position.
1: Uh I was on the Ardor Sitkowski train though. I was on the I was on the fade Ardor train uh last year. I don't know if you remember this. Cause he is and he's still got the job because he's, he's got the job because he looks good in, in practice because he's a big big strong arm quarterback but he just man when there's a defense involved, it's just not it's not a good look so that he is still I get, I would be more inclined to sort of poke around for some wins if I saw someone else at the top of that um, depth chart at quarterback
0: Hmm. Next week, you've been pining for it, and we're going to deliver it. That's right. We will take our win total series to the SEC, so make sure that you subscribe to for that. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. You can follow me, at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much.
1: You yes,